Happy Friday, everyone. It is another edition of the show here on the Blitz 1170 and streaming on the Blitz 1170 app. I'm Colby Daniels, along with Jeremy Poplin. We say hello to Dusty Dvorak joining us via the Blitz hotline. Dusty, happy Friday. What a busy week it's been. Uh, I cannot believe that the national championship was played four days ago. Like, it feels <laughs> like that was four weeks ago with the Nick Saban bombshell dropping Wednesday afternoon. And then ever since then, coach after coach after coach uh, that we thought would likely take the job, uh, declining and just getting a bunch of raises. Uh, one thing that we've learned is Jimmy Sexton's clients going to make a lot of money, which means Jimmy Sexton going to make a lot of money. But it sure seems like now Alabama, after Dan Lanning appeared to be the top target, he decides to stay there in Oregon with that Phil Knight Nike money. And then uh, Sark, we saw last night, pledging his commitment to Texas. And then, you know, I had under strong authority that the job had been offered to Mike Norvell. He elects today to stay with Florida State and Kalen DeBoer ultimately uh, your final answer, which it's a great answer. Uh, Kalen DeBoer is an outstanding football coach, one that I think that we're all learning more and more about. But his record, uh, whether it's at NAIA, at Fresno State, now here at Washington, he's 104 and 12. <laughs> That's his record as a head coach. The guys won at every level, it's including the high school level. And by all indications, he is a great guy, phenomenal coach, and ones that both fans and players alike gravitate towards. So uh, this feels like a, a really good hire. And, and one more just little piece of evidence for Kalen DeBoer. Two of the names I mentioned that you thought were the top potentially two candidates in Lanning and Sark. He's 5-0 and uh, in the last two years combined against those two. 3-0 and against Dan Lanning at Oregon and 2-0 and against Texas, both in the really good hire. Time will tell, but uh, Kalen DeBoer, if you're looking for substance and you're looking for a track record as a head coach, he checks just about every box. I didn't realize that uh, he had played five games against those guys, or at least I, I, I guess I knew that, but I hadn't put all those puzzle pieces together. That is a that is a great stat for Kalen DeBoer. We were talking about the possibilities yesterday, and you know I think Lanning and Sark seemed like such obvious uh, replacements. Those guys are in great positions, though, with teams that are going to be, I mean, among the favorites to win the national championship next year. The, and and there's so much money at both of those universities. And, you know, the other part, and I don't know how many people have talked about this, but the other part of this equation is Alabama's a great job, but who wants to follow a legend that has done something that I don't think will ever be duplicated in, in college football history? The run that Nick Saban had over 17 years at Alabama, six national championships, nine SEC championships. He goes to three of the seven BCS games that were possible during that time. Eight of the 10 college football playoffs. I mean, if you go nine and three, they're going to run you out of town, right? I mean, replacing a legend uh, is is quite the job, especially if you have a really good situation. And, and I'm not saying that Washington and Kalen DeBoer don't have a good situation, but the AD that hired him is no longer there. And for the most part, I mean, the 
the foundation of that team that just played for a national championship moves on to the next level, and they were going to be hitting the reset button. So I think from a timing perspective, it works way better for Kalen DeBoer than it would have for Lanning or Sark. Biggest key is for him to retain that roster that Nick Saban has put together because it's still as talented a roster as you'll find in the country. Uh, I'm intrigued to see what him, I'm sure he's bringing Ryan Grubb with him, who, by the way, Nick Saban tried to hire before he hired Tommy Reese. Uh, he was on that short list, as was Jeff Levy, as people that Nick Saban reached out to and, and Grubb decided to stay. What can they do with Jalen Milrow? And if you can, I know I saw Isaiah Bond uh, got into the portal today, but how much of that roster can you retain? Because it's loaded with four and five stars. But look, Nick Saban's the greatest of all time, in my opinion. He's the greatest of all time. The stretch that he added Alabama was as good a stretch as we've ever seen in college football. And more than likely, as parity is going to continue to grow, it'll go down as the best stretch in the history of the sport. And it's never easy to follow a legend. But I think this about a lot of college football coach and I'm guess, coaches, and I'm guessing Kalen DeBoer is no different. They're uber competitive. Kalen DeBoer, I can't imagine, is saying, ooh, I'm, I'm worried that I'm not going to live up to the expectation. I mean, the guy went 25 and, what, 25 and three in his two years at Washington, and they had gone four and eight the year before. Um, so I, I just think that uber competitive people have a ton of self-confidence and belief in themselves. I can't imagine uh, Kalen DeBoer is any different in this situation. Now, can he meet those expectations that the fan base and the media is going to have for that program, given what Nick Saban's been able to do? I don't know. I mean, I don't know if anybody can, but I just I don't think that's the way Kalen DeBoer or many coaches that were potentially looking at that job feel about it. Uh, I'm sure he thinks I'm going to go in there and I'm going to I'm going to do exactly what Nick Saban was able to do. So um, I'm intrigued with it. But um, Nick Saban, man, I mean, I learned a long time ago, some 20 years ago, just how good he is. Uh, I fell victim with my teammates to losing to him in his first national championship uh, when he was at LSU. And I've only seen him continue uh, to flourish uh, throughout college football and then getting a chance to you know, be around him. Uh, study his team, study his his staffs, his his roster, be at his practices. Uh, I have just the utmost respect for the man because he is a grinder. I mean, I've told you about just watching him at practice and just how he is so hands-on in every aspect of practice and throughout that facility. And nothing happens happened you know, around the Alabama program without his guidance, without his approval, uh, without be, it being something that he wanted to happen. So I just, I, I respect the heck out of hard work. I respect the heck out of uh, somebody who, who grinds day in, day out. And I, I actually appreciated what he said to Reese Davis because essentially he said, I can't keep it up. I can't, I can't do my job at the level I have for so long. And for him, if he can't do it at its apex, it's not worth right. it for him. So um, I would imagine my gut tells me he's going to be on college game day. At least I hope. I think he'd make a great addition. He's really good and savvy with the media. He is just flooded with wisdom that he drops on all of us every time he talks. And um, I mean, he reigned terror 
over the SEC and over college football for over a decade and a half. And um, we'll see if Kalen DeBoer can in any way come close to duplicating that. But I wish uh, I wish Coach Saban nothing but the absolute best in retirement. But I don't think there's been one better than him and the job that he did at Alabama. How about this for a stat? In his 17 years, 123 draft picks, 44 first-round picks, and I saw the number over $2.2 billion yeah. in NFL contract money that his players were able to make. And that does not include what's about to go in this year's NFL draft and more of the players from this current roster. So uh, you can quantify his impact in so many different ways. What he meant to, to the University of Alabama, the state of Alabama, Tuscaloosa, just the, the city, what he's meant for the SEC. I think a big part of the SEC's dominance is a direct reflection of him and everybody trying to keep pace with that monster that he built. I would say the same for all of college football. I mean, I think that coaches' salaries have been impacted by him, how big the budgets are for their other coaches. Analysts, I mean, we didn't hear about analysts prior to Nick Saban, at least That's to right. the magnitude that he's taken it. So he's just, he really has impacted the sport over the last two decades as much or more so than anyone else. And there's a lot of people that should be appreciative of, of the job that Nick Saban's done. And, and lastly on him, um, whatever the future of college football looks like, and I think that we expect kind of football is going to split away and it's going to require some kind of czar or some kind of commissioner, even if he's not that person, he should be on an advisor, advisory board, you know, utilizing that wisdom, giving his thoughts, his ideas, and his vision of what college football should look like. I think if you don't reach out and try to get that from Coach Saban, you're making a massive mistake as a sport. You mentioned the comments that he he made to Reese and, and not feeling like he could do it at the highest level anymore. Some of that is age, right? Some of that is also, I think, the combination of, of getting older and age and coaches having to do more in today's age than even five years ago, right? You're just spread so thin uh, with all the different hands-on things you have to to deal with as a head coach now that I, I can absolutely see where uh, he would feel like wanting to be you know, involved to the max in every aspect, feel like he can't accomplish it anymore. Wasn't it just before this season started uh, that you, you spent some time up there? Uh, yeah, well, this year during the season, I did the Arkansas game. Oh, that's game. right. It was during the season. Yeah. Did his coaches show on Thursday night was, so I spent about two hours with him at the coaches show him and miss Terry. And he was, I mean, he's intimidating, but he was great to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, then, then spent, um, Friday, uh, at practice on Thursday, coaches show Thursday night at the facility for about three hours on Friday. So it got kind of behind the scenes peak. And then we did the, uh, we did the sugar bowl last year. So, you know, at the, at the end of the year and then once again this year, so had a chance to spend more time around him in the last, you know, really probably 13 months than I had previously in my entire tenure. And I already had the utmost respect, but being around, seeing it and, you know, just talking with people around that, that organization, cause that's what it is an organization you know, the fact that like Tommy Reese put it best, like he makes everybody in the building better every day because he brings it 100% every day. And if you don't, you're going to be dealt with. And I just, I love that, man. I love that, that mindset, that mentality, that grind. And the guy just, 
he was going to give you everything he had every day. Uh, and I, to me, that's that consistency being that consistent every day helped allow him to have this run and have that, that standard that was as high as there was in college football for so long. I don't know a ton about Kalen DeBoer. Uh, the little bit I, I do know about him, he seems like an incredibly likable guy. Um, he's not, I, I don't get the impression that he's nearly as intense as Nick Saban. And that's not to say that's the wrong way of doing it, right? Everybody's personality is different and, and you got to lean on your individual strengths if you're going to succeed. But um, it kind of feels like from a personality standpoint, you're getting about 180 degrees opposite in Kalen DeBoer as, as to what you had of, of Nick Saban. Yeah. I mean, it's again, I I've never dealt with him directly. Um, I haven't met him, but everything you said is exactly what I've heard from people that do know him or people that have covered his teams very closely. He's as likable and an approachable of a person as you come across in the sport. It's probably from his humble beginnings, you know, whether it's at high school, Sioux Falls, um, South Dakota, just his path to where he's gotten. Uh, I think that he's a very appreciative of, of where he's at and recognizes the path that he's taken. And so I think that, you know, he's just a very humble guy. Uh, and, and I think, you know, from what I've been told, he is a very much a player's coach always has a smile. Uh, I don't, I don't, it doesn't sound like he rules with an iron fist but is very effective in getting the most out of players. Like can still squeeze the orange to its max. What's going to be interesting is that he's really got no, he has no background in the SEC. And that is kind of a different beast. You know, geographically, it's just, it's, it's a part of the country. He hasn't necessarily been. I would be stunned if he doesn't have quite a few people that have, that he retains or he brings onto his coaching staff. That, that can help him with that lay of the land. Um, but that's the great thing about coaching is that everybody doesn't have to do it the same way. Um, and just because you're not just like Nick Saban, not many people have been, doesn't mean you can't have success. Uh, I'm, I'm fascinated and intrigued to see exactly what this is going to look like. And, and obviously I want to say prior to the national championship Monday, Alabama had the second best odds to win a national championship. I mean, that's what he's inheriting. And he's inheriting that kind of roster and he's inheriting that level of expectation. So uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to to see what the post Saban era looks like. And Kellen DeBoer, man, he's up at the plate. It's a it's a big opportunity. Boy, is a is a big plate. He's got to step up to and try to hit it out of the park. Speaking of opportunity, I mean, every team in the SEC, including now Oklahoma and Texas entering the SEC, have to feel like, holy cow, right? I mean, this this uh, this ruler of the sport with an iron fist is now gone, and there is a major opportunity uh, for everyone, right, to, to take a step forward. 100%. I mean, the biggest winners this week – are everybody in the SEC, if not all the top of college football, because you don't have to deal with Lord Saban anymore. And I was looking at something the other day. There's not many coaches that have beat him in his career. The list is not very long and distinguished. Now, some of the coaches on there are very, very good, but the reality is 
Nick Saban didn't lose many football games uh, when he was at the University of Alabama. And uh, again, we'll see what Kalen DeBoer is able to do. But uh, for everything that he meant to the sport, and I'm sure the appreciation and respect that he garners all across college football, I don't think anybody's sad to see him go, especially within the SEC, uh, because he is um, he is a tough, tough cat to deal with. 201 and 29 when he was in the SEC. And six so, of those 29 happened in the first year that he was taking over a really bad Alabama team. I mean, it's, it's remarkable, man. Like, it's remarkable, um, the run that, that he went on. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting, man. It's, it's going to be odd next fall when we start the season and, and Nick Saban yeah. isn't, uh, isn't roaming a sideline for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Well, this will be a good segue into our, our Cowboy Packer conversation uh, and tie in what happened with Nick Saban and, and him vacating that job. I had a debate with a buddy of mine the other day, and then we, we talked about it on the show yesterday. You've played college and, and NFL football, so you, can, you, you probably can speak on this better than, than any of us, but we were debating between Saban and Belichick and the job that they both did, right? They each won six championships at the jobs they just left. Belichick wins six Super Bowls in New England. Saban won six national championships at Alabama. Which is tougher to do in their respective sports? Honestly, I think this is a no-brainer. It's, it's what Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots did. Really? National Football League? I think so. Okay, okay. With the, with, with the parity that there is... And the National Football League, I mean, the the talent gap in college football for the people at the very top and everyone else is wide. And Agreed. nobody, nobody over what probably a 12-year run had a more talented roster than Nick Saban. So just from jump street, he's and just from a just from a sheer, you know, Jimmy's and Joe's, he had the best dudes every year. Every year. Now, just because you have the best players doesn't mean you're always going to win. That's where the coaching comes in. That's where the development comes in. That's where the focus and the scheme, everything comes into play there. But I think anybody would say, you give me the best players, you're in, you're out. And I think I'm going to have a pretty good opportunity to win at a high level. Now, you could argue Bill Belichick had the greatest quarterback of all time, right? And he had got to have him over a long, sustained period of time. That's that's true as well. But the NFL, just the way it's set up, it's set up for there to be more parity than there is in any other professional sport that we have. That year over year, the 32nd best team is actually pretty close to the best team from a roster standpoint. Now, it's not exact, but, I mean, we see it every single year in the NFL. So... I think it's I think it's Bill Belichick. I just okay. think that it's harder to win consistently in the NFL than just about any other sport that we have. And for them to win six championships, what play in eight, not nine Super Bowls during that time, I, in no way do I want to diminish what Nick Saban was able to accomplish. That's we had to we had to throw that out when we debated this the other day because like when yeah. you argue for one, it's like you're demeaning the other. Not trying to do that right. at all. I just, I just think that that the NFL is the hardest sport to win at the highest level consistently. 
And he did it better than we've ever seen by a pretty wide margin in the current, as we know it, landscape, the national football league. So give me Belichick. Okay. Um, but I, again, I, I wouldn't say you're crazy, but the NFL, man, it is just, the model is just set up for parody. It's set up for you not to be able to continue to dominate the way that they dominated. And in some aspects, I feel like they, they kind of defied logic in that respect. And, and then the way that he did it just with, and again, I know you kept Brady, but I mean, different superstars coming and going and whether it was Richard Seymour, it was Ty Law, it was Dion Branch. I mean, we can go down the list. They just continue to churn that roster. And when they squeezed and got the most out of players and it was time for those players to cash in, they said, okay, go ahead, go somewhere else. We'll either trade you or via free agency or the draft, we'll find your next replacement on a, on a, you know, on a much cheaper type of deal. And they're able to make, for what, two decades, they're yeah. able to make, the impossible look very possible. My argument for Nick Saban was, and, and there, there are several bullet points. I, I think you make great points, but my argument for Saban was, number one, six different quarterbacks to win those national championships, right, as opposed to one. Just the roster turnover in general, I know that New England had a lot of roster turnover, but even with those names you mentioned, they were still there for, for decent amounts of time. I mean, at, at, in, in college football, and especially at Alabama, I mean, you're talking about maybe two years with a player. They, they maybe come in, sit a year, play two years, and then they're off to the league for the, for the best players on the roster. And you're talking about 18 to 22-year-olds as opposed to grown men and having to get those guys to buy in every single cycle that you're bringing them in. And, I mean, the roster turnover to me – is the number one thing, especially at the quarterback position. The other, the other angle that I, I guess I was looking at it from is, yes, they are by far the most talented in the sport. But, but for a period of time, like it was a two teams got to play for a championship, right? And if you yep. have, there's no margin for error. Like if you have one bad day, you might be the best team in college football, but you don't even get the chance to prove it in a championship setting. And so there's no margin for error. And in the NFL, like you can have those days, you got to be one of six of the best 16 in your conference, right? To get to the postseason and be able to make a run at a championship. College football, the margin for error is so tiny. Again, again, that's maybe where you come back with the, with the talent gap on a week to week basis. Um, but it's uh, yeah. I mean, from a, from a, the, the talent disparity that Alabama has had, and again, I, I, I like the, the more I go into this, I'm taking away from Nick Saban. He put that talent together. He, he, he assembled these rosters. But I mean, he had first round draft picks everywhere, whereas everyone else, you know, a lot of the people he's competing against had third round picks, fourth round picks, undrafted free agents. Like that's where it's just like that's why when you win a Super Bowl, you go to the 32nd pick. You know, you go to the back of the line in every single round, not a snake draft. You don't pick 32nd <laughs> right. and first and the next round. Like it's set up for the field to catch you and you'd be able to close that that talent disparity. It is not set up that way in college football. And so I just I don't know. Um it's 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 a great debate. You bring up some really good points. I mean, you really do, but I just I feel like just the the rosters he had when they showed up to play games, 
you were going to win nine, 10 games, just walking off the bus. Right. Right. And Oh, by the way, he's a great coach too. I just, I, I don't know if I feel that way necessarily about the national football league. Um, and then just the other part of it too, you can look at it one of two ways. You can say, yes, that, you know, at the beginning of his run was the BCS era and, you know, only you know, the top two teams went in. Then we got to the playoff, only four teams make it in. And, and the, that's true. There's very little margin for error, but think about how much hard it is to navigate the NFL playoffs year in, year out, because you're competing throughout the season against teams that are from a talent perspective, pretty close to you. And then once you get in the playoffs, it really gets narrow. It really yeah. gets close. And then you have to be able to beat somebody from the other conference in the Super Bowl. Like think about just some of the, the, the wins that they had in route to get those championships. Like I think about the, the game against the Raiders. Like, I, I mean, the, the talk about margin for error. The margin for error in the National Football League is in razor the postseason, thin. It 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 shrinks tremendously, sure. But if and you have a couple of bad Sundays in the regular season, at least you still get the chance to prove sure. that you are the best. There's no doubt. But again, like how many true playoff type environments did Nick Saban have to deal with <laughs> on a year and yacht basis? LSU for a while, Georgia for a little bit, Florida maybe early on. Like there was only one or two games that you looked at. Auburn, and it's like yeah. This is this is going to be you know, this is going to be a bit of a headache. Whereas I just feel like in the NFL, um, there's so many other. It's the best of the best. Like it's the best of the best each and every each and every week. So uh, I, it's it's a good fair debate. What I think is wild that within a 24 hour span, Pete Carroll, uh, one of only what you've got Jimmy Johnson, you've got Barry Switzer, and you've got Pete Carroll. Three guys that have won a Super Bowl and a national championship. That's the list, yeah. And he he wins two uh, in college, and then wins a Super Bowl in almost a second. Then later that day, the greatest college coach of all time, he steps away, and then within twelve hours after that, essentially, you've got Bill Belichick out during a twenty-four hour period. Those three coaches, and and for me, uh, I don't think it's debatable the greatest college football coach and the greatest NFL coach are out yeah. within a, a, a 18 hour span. That's just wild. That's, I mean, that's just crazy insane. how that went down. Insane. And I agree. I, I don't think either one of those guys will ever be dethroned in terms of being the goat of, of their respective sports. Uh, before we get out of here, we got to hit Cowboys Packers on Sunday monster game. Uh, Cowboys have been so good at home. Uh, don't take anything away from the Packers, though. They they have caught fire to close out this season. It's a young team that has a lot of confidence. And, I mean, just just the logos facing off against each other in this first round. I cannot wait for 3.30 Sunday afternoon. 16-game home winning streak on the line. Cowboys, I mean, got everything right in front of them. And th the great thing about this Packers team is that Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback. But – as I say that, you could easily argue there's not a hotter quarterback in the league going than Jordan Love. Last eight games, 18 touchdowns to one interception. I mean, to watch his growth and maturation in his first year as a starter has been nothing short of spectacular. So I think item number one is, is heating him up 
getting the getting the first year starter in his first playoff game uncomfortable. I mean, I think that there is no bigger there is no bigger thing to do in this game than that. Uh, now, Jordan Love's got pretty good mobility. I mean, I, I don't want to say he's a runner, but he moves around well. He can throw well on the move. So I think just getting him uncomfortable is at the very top of of your to-do list if you're the Dallas Cowboys. Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, both those guys have really stepped up this year. So they're going to be challenged outside at corner. But to me, this is a, a Micah Parsons, a defensive line game that they need to dominate that Packers offensive line. And, and they need to confuse Jordan Rodgers best they possibly can on the back end. Micah Parsons needs to let Jordan Love feel him early, often, and all throughout this ballgame. I think it's a huge, huge key for Cowboys success. To me, I think Aaron Jones might be the X factor for Green Bay. Dallas doesn't doesn't defend the run nearly as well as the pass. And if he gets going, that just makes the job for Jordan Love that much easier, right? If it's just a passing game, I really like the matchup for the Cowboys and the pass rush and, and the secondary. But if you get that run game going and make them play you more honest – that that's that's probably where I think uh, you you feel a little bit more um, skeptical about whether they're they're going to slow down Jordan Love and the pass catchers. Yeah, and and then they got AJ Dillon as well. I mean, it's kind of a, a one-two yeah. punch with with Dillon and Jones. Um, so yes, I mean that that's always a key, and that's been hey, as we know, like that is the secret to the Cowboys. Like play physical, line up, big boy ball. Uh, they've. They've shown some some signs of, of struggle when teams have tried to play that brand of football. Um, but I just just the way Jordan Love has been playing, and I, I'll I'll be surprised if we don't get a chance to see him quite a bit. Um, and then obviously I think the biggest key is Dak Prescott and taking care of the football. I mean, hate to make it so much about the quarterbacks, but I mean, you go back to last season uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. That was a problem. You look at the Cowboys this year, and when they've struggled, a lot of that has been because they've turned the football over. So I think if Dak can just take care of the football, Cowboys should be in, yeah. in, in really good shape. But the, um, the, the turnover issues that we've seen previously, those cannot, those cannot take place against Green Bay. So take care of the ball, get some pressure on the quarterback, I don't want to sound overly optimistic. I just, I don't know, man. I kind of see the Cowboys running right at this game. Like, I, I just, I like, I like the fact that they're at home. I like the matchup. I like that this is a, a seasoned team. The nucleus of this team has been intact for a while now. And it just feels like they've got a real opportunity this year with the path that they have in front of them, with at least the first two rounds being in their backyard, only having to potentially go on the road to get to a Super Bowl, the San Fran, and an NFC Championship game, if you make it that far, it just just really feels like this team is primed and ready to roll. My, uh, I, just to get this off my chest, I the one thing I am very nervous about, Mike McCarthy's facing his old team, and I'm just, is he going to try and do too much, or is he going to get outside of what has got them to this point, and like, is he going to overthink it in some way? Like, I'm not the biggest Mike McCarthy fan anyway, Having this game against the Packers to me makes me even more nervous about how he's going to handle it. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, he said he said right after uh, their game against the Commanders 
that it didn't matter. You know, he's not worrying about that. I, I mean, he obviously did not like the way things went down whenever he was ousted in Green Bay. I'm sure he would love nothing more uh, than than to run them out of Arlington on Sunday. I think he's just also got to understand, and he's a smart guy, like, we're in this spot for a reason. Let's just be who we are. Let's just let's just do what yeah. we do. Um, so I'm I'm hopeful that he doesn't try to change too much or do things outside of how this Cowboy team has gotten to this point. But I will say this, as we were talking about Bill Belichick, I don't think it would happen, but could you imagine a world that if Mike McCarthy lost this game and they lose at home as a touchdown, touchdown plus favorites? I don't think Mike McCarthy's on the hot seat at all, but Bill Belichick is sitting out there. Is there a world where Jerry, if if it went bad on Sunday, which I don't want to live in that world, but is there a world where he would pick up the phone and try to get Bill Belichick in if Mike McCarthy falls short yet again in the postseason? I 100% believe Jerry would call Bill Belichick. I also 100% believe Bill Belichick would hang up the phone. Like, can you imagine Bill Belichick, like, going over the roster and Jerry telling him, like, who's making the team and who's not? And who, like, I don't, could Jerry let go that much? Like, could he allow the, like, his, the Jones family in general to let go to that degree? Because that's what it would take to bring Bill Belichick in, right? He's, he's not going to work with anyone. No, uh, he's not. He, he is going to have and be guaranteed complete and total control could Steven relinquish the control? Yes. Yeah. Could Jerry? It sure feels like no. But I have read a bunch of stuff that they are pretty close, that they do have a friendship, they do have a relationship. Now, that's not a working relationship. Right. That's not a working friendship. I just think it's interesting that if there was there was ever a time uh, to really go out and try to land a big-time coach, I mean, he is sitting out there, and I'll tell you what, Bill Belichick could massively upgrade the roster that he previously had here at the Cowboys, but yeah. it's all a moot point. Cowboys are going to roll. That's right. Let's not even think Super about Bowl. that. We're, we're going to win a Super Bowl. And you know what? Mike McCarthy, he's just getting started. Okay. <laughs> he's just getting started in Dallas uh, with this run. But I, I will say that's going to be the, I, I truly believe this. If this somehow goes wrong and it gets sideways on Sunday, you, me, Every Cowboys fan is going to lose their mind. Everyone will be calling for Mike McCarthy's job. That's right. And the conversation will quickly be, is Jerry going to be able to go get Bill Belichick? Book it. That's coming if the Cowboys don't take care of business against the Packers on Sunday afternoon. Well, let's hope it doesn't come to that. But either way, we will have a lot to talk about on Monday, my friend. Super Wild Card Weekend upcoming. Have a great weekend, Dusty, and we'll talk Monday. Real quick, I want to ask you this. Okay. Um... If you were offered free tickets, 50-yard line seats, Chiefs, Dolphins, are you going? Are they in the upper deck? Uh, no, lower deck. Okay, yes, I'll go, I'll go lower deck. I'm not going upper deck. Negative 25 wind chill? I, I, You're gonna I, go? I'll roll the dice, yeah. Okay. But not upper deck. It's cold, I, I'm, bro. I, it is That's cold. Bone chilling cold. I'm not going to the upper deck, and yeah, I would have to be 50 yard line, very close to the field, to to make that worth it. 
man, I'm going to have to get multiple parkas <laughs> just standing there watching. That's going to be, I'm, I feel bad for all those players, fans, coaches are going to be there. I'll be watching with a fire going on my couch That's right. on Peacock. I don't know if Some I would take those free and, tickets. Yeah. yeah. But I, I salute all the folks that'll be there in attendance. Should be a fun, should be a fun wild card weekend, man. I think there's some great games this weekend. Agreed. And we'll break it all down Monday. Sounds good, man. Have a great weekend. You as well. That is Dusty Dvorak joining us via the Blitz Hotline. I'm Colby Daniels, along with Jeremy Poplin. We'll take a timeout. This is the Blitz 1170, and we are streaming on the Blitz 1170 app.